Welcome back to Violoncello Podcast. This is episode four, and we've got a great episode for you today. I mean, this is, I mean, really, this is going to be epic. I've been anticipating this for a long time because we had a kind of a gap after our episode three. So the anticipation has been building. If you missed episode three, you've got to go back and catch it. You've got to go watch it. It was, in fact, David had an epic rant. It was epic. And uh, we heard our first PG-13 word on this podcast. And what, what made David so passionate, you know, with this monologue? You've got to go check it out. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was a first on this podcast for sure. Epic. Uh, basically, you never quite know what you're going to get here. It's like, you know, it's like a box of chocolates. And I guess that's, and we don't edit. We don't edit. I don't edit. And so uh, everything is raw and unfiltered. It's the same way I eat my honey. The same way I drink my apple cider vinegar. Raw, raw and unfiltered. So today we thought we would talk a little about, and we've kind of mentioned it. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about connections through music a little bit. And it's kind of been a theme throughout the first three podcasts a little bit. Just what's the purpose of music? What's the role of music? I've got a couple fascinating, fascinating studies to share about the uh, connection with other people. Fascinating. So you're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsor, David. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to make for a very interesting uh episode today. I think that You are you are sponsoring this, right? I'm sponsoring my time, indeed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but but I think this is a a topic that we hear a little about a lot of the time. We hear about these kind of topic, this kind of topic um so often, but we only hear little snippets of it and um you know that's enough to to impart the importance of connections on us uh but it's never quite really spoken about in depth and um i, I know ned has a lot of stories to share i have some stories to share uh, would you like to take it away ned yeah i want to i want to start with these studies okay so one of the definitive longevity studies of our time. Uh, it's been over decades at Harvard University. Basically studying why people live longer. And you can probably see where this is going, but the biggest predictor. And so you hear all this thing, you hear all this about your health. Right, all the time. I mean, it's the health industry's billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. Healthcare is the number one industry that there is in this country, and basically in every state, it's the number one business. So, all this about health, we all want to be healthy, we all want to live long, presumably, for the most part. <laughs> uh, but what do you think is the biggest predictor of your health at age 80? What? So you, you, you take like a 50 year old person and you study their life. And what is the number one thing you look at all their habits, you look at their diet, their exercise, their sleep, everything related to health. You know, you look at that, what do you think is the biggest predictor of your health from a 50 year old? When you get to 80, you can say 
this was the close this is the best predictor that we possibly have what do you think what do you think david see i'm spring this is well, all this is unrehearsed i i think that you, you live the longest you know if you eat mcdonald's every day <laughs> that's what i would say what was i right <laughs> yeah it depends if you have the nuggets or the big mac uh but the biggest predictor is not it's not diet it's not exercise it's not your sleep it's not your job it's not your socioeconomic status it's not your access to health care what else can i you know it's not this 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 the biggest the biggest predictor is the quality of your relationships. That is the biggest predictor for longevity. Interesting. And uh, to the best that anyone that we can figure out, to the best what science has for us to figure out about long-term health. So anyway, there you have it. It's not stress levels. You know, it's literally none of that it, well obviously all those things all of those things matter obviously but uh you know family history you know you would say well that would be the biggest predictor how old did your parents live no no also not this it's the quality of your relationships so anyway when i saw that it gave me a really it's kind of a springboard like in my mind to talk about the purpose of music uh, in terms of making connections with other people. And, and the more, it's not always the more you do it, but it is also, it's the more you do it, but it's the quality of what you're doing when you connect with people. So like was already mentioned, like, you know, you can even pay like homage to, you know, music being a connector and whatever you know you just mention it because it's in vogue you know all this uh but going going deeper is what really has the impact uh, i and and i think the unique thing about music is that this is just a thought but because we always look at physical things right well at least western medicine we tend to inf emphasize whatever the physical symptoms are right like here's a symptom here's how to fix it like you need this much sleep you need this there's like a spiritual component to health that is more emphasized in like the east with like traditional chinese medicine or you know and not to get like super philosophical but like the point is is that our health is just as much about our emotional health, our mental health, our spiritual health as it is the physical. I mean, that's another way to say that study. It's that it's, it's about how you're really doing as a human being. So anyway, I, music is such a great outlet and in a way to connect with other people and keep you kind of invested in your own life and invested in other people's lives. And that somehow just almost miraculously like gives us like reason and, and more joy and satisfaction from life and we live longer. So anyway, that was one of them. That was one of them. But I mean, do you have some comment or something? That's very that fascinating. Um, yeah, that's, that's very I said it was gonna. I said it was going to be fascinating. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can really appreciate that whole idea of emotional and mental well-being um, and spiritual well-being um, on par with physical well-being. And, and um, I think we don't give that enough credit. And uh, it reminds me of, um, you know, the connection between our emotional well-being and our music making. For, for what it's worth in either direction, 
you know, as sometimes I've heard people, well, you have Mozart and Beethoven, right? Beethoven let his emotions really affect his music making um, or composing, writing. And uh, Mozart, not, not as much. Yeah. As and, a pianist. Yeah, of course. And, and I, I've run across this in my life before where people have ideas of, I had someone tell me that she doesn't, is not really interested in playing with people that are, um, that let their personal emotions get in the way of the music. And of course, I understand that. You want somebody, if they're going through emotional turmoils, they can still do their job. But then by the opposite, uh, on the other hand, um, there's a benefit too to having having these external stimuli that make their way into the music and uh so that's really i think there's no there's no right answer to that but um maybe that was a little too tangential but all, all these things are related and they're all related and, and music relates them all and um that's really interesting really interesting study yeah i haven't i have another one that's that's a little bigger picture like you know purpose of music and this next one it's bigger picture but it's also a smaller picture and this is also fascinating you know we we only bring the very best stuff to this podcast i mean this is this is stuff that's truly interesting and you'll be you'll be fascinated by this next one okay i'm ready, ready? okay so it's about talking to strangers. Okay. This is also a big time study. And uh, I can, I'm probably too lazy to, but someone can like DM or something, or maybe I, I'm probably too lazy to like post the study or something. Like that's a lot of work. Uh, but you can just, you can just Google it or whatever. AI it now. Uh, but basically, they survey these people and they're like, how do you feel about talking to strangers? Just, just talking to strangers. Uh, the setting was really the subway, right? Like a public transportation. How would you feel about talking to strangers? And, uh, they just kind of surveyed, like, how do you feel now? How, how do you think you'll feel after you've talked to them? You know? And as you might expect, the responses were overwhelmingly negative. Nobody, basically everybody thought that that would be really uncomfortable situation, very awkward. And that afterwards they would feel like that kind of sucked. Uh, you can see where this is going almost without exception. Then obviously there's like, you know, control, how these things work, the control or no one, literally you just do your own thing like normal. And then the people that were forced to talk to strangers, right? And overwhelmingly, overwhelm, like a stunning finding, right? That basically everybody that talked to the stranger felt happier and more fulfilled than those that did their normal thing without basically without exception, like everybody. I mean, there's always exceptions, right? But uh, there, there you have it. And uh, so we, we do as human beings, sometimes we have to get past ourselves because we can be our own worst enemies. I, and I think it's more that way than ever before because we all have phones with us and we all close off. And uh, the big antidote to all this is like live music. I mean, that's what and we, you know, we've discussed this in previous podcasts, but it's like the power of actually reaching out to people at a performance, you know, talking to the performers after the performance, talking to other people in the audience, using this as a very social time, uh, you know, like, what is the purpose of live music? And it's more than just the music itself. So that 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 was just another thought I have in terms of connectivity and music. 
uh, like there is a reason for an intermission and this is the reason I mean to get a break but it's it's to socialize it's not to like text your friends or um, which is fine but what you do in person that's what actually will make you happier talking to strangers will like demonstrably be better for you so anyway th that's that's another thought i thought it's fascinating it's maybe not quite as fascinating but because a lot of people probably know that intuitively but uh, so anyway thoughts that's another one that makes a, a lot of sense and i think it's something that people as you mentioned, you know, now it's easier than ever to shy away from doing that. And, um, you know, you just put your AirPods in and nobody will dare bother you. Um, and, and so it's very easy to avoid doing that. I think it wasn't that easy, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 100 years ago, certainly. Um, and, uh, and I think we've lost something by not doing that nearly as much. And uh, in the times when people do it, when strangers approach me, uh, I think it's a very pleasant thing and uh, something that you you remember, you know, when you're in a certain aisle in, in the grocery store or um, walking in a downtown area or, or anywhere, um, you, you don't forget those moments. And um, I really like your connection to the whole intermission thing and um, again connecting it back to music um, of course such a great and obvious connection um, uh, these things these these little communications that actually matter more than we think um, talking to your local butcher for 30 seconds that oh, means a lot the more butcher. than you might think yeah uh, or, or, or the florist that you happen to see once a month. That that means a lot more. Every than week, you might think. Me. Every yeah. week. <laughs> it, it means something, you know. At the end of the day, it, it means more than we think. And um, yeah, that, that's excellent. Yeah, and I think too. Like talk. Like, go talk to the performers like truly like don't don't be scared of these people even if they're world class just go talk to them and have a conversation like really and true that that's you'll learn way more than that than some interview you watch on youtube about this person you know uh, even if they just say one you know you'll, you'll remember it'll really stick with you and as a performer I actually, I like when people talk to me as well after I perform because it, it's kind of a sign of, it's kind of a sign of respect for starters. Because anytime you talk to someone, by definition, you're wanting to like, you, you have to, there's a base level of caring about them, like in caring about what they're going to say or what, you know. Uh, but B, like, we, the better we know the audience and feel connected to the audience, the better it is for us, the whole music experience. So, like, we're going to play better or we're going uh, it, it's to, it's part of this whole thing, you know. The audience is part of the, it's this participatory thing. And... So I, I love it when people are like, oh, you know, especially if they're educated, if you know what you're talking about, that's even better. Like, I'll go back there and I'll be like, oh, I love what you did in the third movement there where you, you know, held that fermata a little longer. I'll be like, like, yeah, you know, talk shop. It's a very pleasant thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, David. Sorry, I was muted there. Um, yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and to add to that, um, I was uh, playing in the cello section for the Corn Gold Violin Concerto with Gil Shaham and... Um, Name drop. 
no, no. <laughs> but I just have like this is he's the perfect person to mention for something like this because you know we did we played the concert on two separate nights and and first of all each each concert he obviously he's a, a world class soloist so um, the consistency is there but on top of that each performance and the dress rehearsal everything he did things a little bit differently he held something a little bit longer this time than that time and in a way that you could tell it was obviously purposeful spontaneity if that can make sense it wasn't an accident he he clearly thought of these little ideas a hundred different ways and chooses one in the moment that he he wants but he just makes it everybody feel like his friend when he's on stage like the whole orchestra is his friend he's looking at it kind of like yo yo ma looking but even more even more um some people might think obnoxious, but even more uh, um, animated. He, he's looking looking across the conductor, looking to the back of the orchestra, looking at all of us. Uh, I think I was third stand. We definitely caught eyes at, at least once. Um, and um, just, just looking at everybody in the orchestra, the biggest smile in the world, uh, uh, getting engaged in the two T's as opposed to just standing there waiting for his turn. Um, like you see in a lot of the old videos, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, just just really active the whole time with a big smile, except when he would play, uh, when he would start to play, oftentimes you could see the smile wipe off of his face and into this focused mode. But then after that, back to the smile and, and the audience really felt that. Um, and um, it was that personal connection that he really added to it um, that, you know, there may have been a thousand people in the hall, including us, but I think every single person or almost every single person felt a personal connection. And it takes a really special person to be able to pull that off with a thousand people. And um, so he, he would be the guy to watch to learn, learn a little bit, something about communication in, in making connections in music. Yeah, I after about eight hundred, I start to tail off, uh, personally. Uh, but maybe I can go nine hundred, nine fifty, a thousands, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Gil Shaham is the greatest. And speaking of, I mean, you know this, but I've I've talked to, after master classes and performances. I've gone and talked to him, and. Uh, Never, never forgot that man. He's like my biggest inspiration. <laughs> Truly. And it's because he's willing to connect with people. Like it's not just, he's not always gonna, it's not always scripted, you know, like he's interested in every person on their own terms. And yeah, that comes across to the orchestra or it's kind of a way of life that you have to develop. And uh, so performance to be a great performer, like you have to work on yourself. Like as a person, like you have, like that, you have to work on that. No, nobody is born with that, even Gil Shaham. I, I think he's more that way than he was 20 years ago. Honestly. And you would think, oh, as you get older, you would withdraw from people. But he's kind of gone the other way. And that's part of what's inspiring, too. It's like he loves it more today than he did when he was growing up. And you kind of, yeah, you kind of, you just expect this lack of passion as someone gets, I don't know, how old is he now? He's in his 50s for sure. 52. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was born in 71. Uh, so that's great. I'm trying to think in terms of like, do you have any like personals? I, I'm kind of curious about how this works in the setting of like a, a studio setting. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that, like with how teachers connect to their pupils. And what that looks like, you know, connecting around music. I, I, I think that 
in my experience, my favorite teachers are always people that uh, connect with me in ways other than music. And then it also helps somehow, like magically, that also helps my musicianship when I feel comfortable and when there's that trust and a good relationship, uh, you're comfortable to play, you're comfortable to do your thing, you're comfortable to grow. And so I, I think that's an important, really important connection when we talk about connecting in music. If you don't connect with your teacher, you need to find another teacher. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my, now there's a place you can learn, you can learn from people you don't connect with. And by all means, if you're stuck with somebody, you do your best. So I, I realize there are, that happens. And for political reasons, you might be stuck with a teacher or, you know, life is messy. But in general, like that, that is the most important relationship for a musician for your, for your entire life. Cause that's someone you should talk, you should be able to talk to freely in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. You know, I talk with my teachers from, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm not that young anymore, decades ago. So, and that's, that's such a treat and it's unique to our profession. Yeah. In a way they're like, uh, they're like our violin cello, uh, parent, you know, and, and we have to build a relationship in that direction. Um, you want to be able to bounce ideas, however crazy may, may be off your teacher and feel that it's a safe place to do so and then you won't get uh, torn down. And um, takes a building of trust for sure. I don't know that, um, yeah, sure. Maybe going out to dinner with my teacher might push in that direction a little. Um, but I, I think mostly it just takes building trust in, in lessons. Um, and uh, at least for me, I mean, I've always enjoyed spending time outside of the lesson with my teachers. Um, but I think ultimately it comes from the feedback and the energy that they give back to you. Um, and then once you get enough of that and you kind of learn to trust them, that's when that connection can be made and, and then you learn the most. Um, but without that, it can be, it can be difficult if you feel like you might be, um, torn down for an idea or a specific bowing or fingering. If you feel like you might get torn down for it, that stifles your creativity. And, uh, clearly that's not a marker of a good, healthy, um, teacher studentship. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, that, that's a tough and, and very delicate thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure any of us that have been in music a long time, we have all had teachers that we don't like, and we've all had teachers that we like. So yeah, <laughs> that, that is a reality. But I, I really try. if you do have bad experiences, you just have to turn that around and like, and give back the opposite way. That's, that's my philosophy, you know? So whenever I teach or have any, like I, we all know what we don't like. And then like, we don't, we don't do to other people what you don't like. It's like, the negative golden rule, I guess. And then you do what you would like to do. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, but really, and, and I pour into my students and I, I expect they need to know that they're it's, you know, even if they quit, whatever, that's fine. 
but I'm still there for them. You know, that's, that's important. That, that's what I believe music's really about. And so, uh, it's about caring for other people. So do you have any other thoughts? Um, let's see connections in music in studio teacher. Um, yeah, it's just all very delicate, especially when you start involving egos and every musician has one. Some are bigger than others and you kind of have to figure out how big is yours? How big is your teachers? How big is everybody else's and kind of, um, beware of that. Um, so that, that's just another, you can't fake it. Complexity. You can't fake it. That's yeah. the thing. Like you, you can try to be like really nice or whatever artificial and get by, but at the end of the day, you really do have to be authentic. And you, you just naturally get better at that as you get older. Like you just, you stop, you just get closer and closer to kind of the way that works for you. I mean, you learn yourself better and you just, you stop dealing with the other crap that doesn't work with you. So, yeah, I think I, I used to be kind of an ego denier probably. I was like, ah, oh, you know. I can just be nice and, but then like you can find yourself in some really bad situations where you're underappreciated or, so yeah, you have to trust your instinct on that one. Like, and, and don't, yeah, don't, don't ever lie to yourself. Like be honest. If you're like, oh, this feels bad. Be honest. This feels bad. You don't like this or you don't like this teacher. It's, it's fine. You don't like the teacher. I used to have this rosy opinion of life and performers where it's like, and, and this to a point, this is true, but it's like, yeah, you can appreciate anyone and blah, blah, blah. Like there's something to learn from everybody. That's true. But it's also true that some people you're just never going to like some performers you're never going to like. And it just, I know because it's like some of these people I've known for 20 years, like these performers, I'm like, I still don't like them. I never did. And now I'm just willing to say it because I'm older and I don't, I just don't really care anymore. And some people I just really like, and like maybe other people think this person's crappy, but I like him and I've liked him for 20 years secretly maybe, but now I'm willing to say like, yeah, this guy's awesome. I love him. Uh, I really like Avery Gitless. You know, I know he kind of, you know, does some very questionable things on the violin, but I, I just love the guy. So there's one example. I just, yeah, it's great. Love his stuff. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, you have any other, any other uh, aspects of music connectivity that we didn't get to that you wanted to? Um, I, I think those are all great points. And, uh, and for me, just to, to connect with what you just said, um, the older I get, the more uh, opinions I develop, but also the more open-minded I become. And um, I, I think that happens to everybody. Kind of paradoxical. Yeah, it's kind of paradox. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know like what you mean. When you get older, you realize there's more, well, things are a little bit more complicated than you might have thought when you were younger. And so I've become more open-minded, but I've also developed more of my own opinions. And so I imagine you're the same way that as you get older, you know more about why you like every get list and why you can say, well, maybe he does these questionable things, but I can overlook it because. And so mm -hmm. that's also part of the reason why you're probably less afraid to just admit it because you have more specific pinpointed arguments to make in oh, his face. You're a genius. You're a genius. 
you should be a psychologist. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You you become one if you're a musician. I mean, you really do. Like you really start to learn about people at some point. Yeah. Because playing with people definitely unpacks deeper things <laughs> with people. Mm. You know, it just does. And you just learn about people. Like this guy um, he, who will, he'll remain unnamed, but this kid, this guy skipped a rehearsal yesterday because he was fatigued. And, you know, it, uh, you know, that was, that's really bad. And that will not be forgotten ever by anybody, you know, the, <laughs> ever. So, because it says something about him. It says something about who he is as a person. He's healthy. He's everything's fine. He's too fatigued. Well, you know, you can't, there's no such thing. Everyone's fatigued. You know, we're all dying. We all killed ourselves to make it there. You know, that's just one example, but you, you just learn about people. You know, if people are late, those are like surface things, but they're very real. If they, you know, on and on and on but for sure yeah 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 i think like i've been a music critic for like years now and that's been the best thing ever for me because like you said it, it just gives me an avenue to really explore myself because everything i listen to i have to consciously decide what that does to me I have to see what that relationship is with this performer, with this music every time. So you just do that again and again and again. And you can kind of do that. But if you're like on Instagram, you flip through, you kind of do it, but it's sort of, it's a little more casual. So sometimes you never get to the heart of something. You're just like, yeah, it's like a very surface engagement. So that's been the best thing ever for me. Like I have to actually sit and listen to an entire CD. It's not this two minute clip and it's not a stinking video, which is very distracting to our ears. It's just listening to music. And anyway, so I would, I would recommend it for anyone that knows how to write, like just write your write out your thoughts and opinions on certain things like write them and that that will really affect the way you think about it i i think it's healthy and like you said when you write then you actually learn how to argue like you you actually learn how to put into words what you're feeling so you close the gap of like i'm feeling this but i don't know how to communicate it with in words that gap closes and then you get to then you become gil shaham you know it's like he can connect with anybody because guess what gil shaham knows the music better than anyone that's ever lived i mean he has he is the deepest connection with music i've ever heard really and and he rarely speaks about it much i think just because Well, most audiences don't care. That's why. Even most educated audiences, they don't want to really hear about how he's making his decisions. But every once in a while, he'll drop some kind of information. He'll be like, yeah, like, like he, he, he really, like you said, he has hundreds of ways. Like he really does for every, like he knows every note, every mark. It's un he knows it better than the conductors, you know? So, uh, to connect with others, in other words, you need to, you need to, there's no shortcut. There's this process where I just gave a couple ideas. You write about it, you think about it, you study it, and then you become better and better and better at connecting.
So, well, any any parting thoughts? Um. Well, <laughs> it's a little bit uh, crude, but of course, you know, we've we've spoken we, a bunch. We expect about... it. We expect it from you. It's fine. We've talked a bunch about connections and making connections to people uh -oh. and the, uh -oh. the kind of the romantic side of it, right? PG-13. The, the human side of all these connections. But um, we have to remember that it's good for business, too. And if you want to get ahead, you know, from a practical perspective, you, you have to also make connections literal connections not just the emotional musical um okay. friendly connections but uh practically it's also very important and um it doesn't mean being fake it doesn't mean trying to meet as many people as, and impress as many people as you can and, and be fake to them so that they like you that's not what it means at all um but what it means is you know th these connections um can only help you and yeah, they teach you about yourself. They engage you with the music, all everything we've just spoken about. But um, they, they can also really help your career. And um, unless you don't show up on time for rehearsal or skip a rehearsal, and then they hurt you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, that can that can <laughs> really, really. Hurt but your point is well taken. Your yeah. point is well taken. And uh, so, so it should be encouraged to, um, you know, depends on what kind of musical situation you're in, but if you're in a big ensemble to, to get to know some of the members and, you know, in, in the little break times, be friendly. And, you know, most people do this. Um, some people, some people do it just purely because they want to, and some people do it, um, to try and get something out of it. And, and either is fine, but, um, it all makes the workplace a little bit more enjoyable when you know some personal things about your stand partner and have made some connections. And, um, but it's also important from, from a business perspective and, um, you know, the connections that I made when I was a kid still are very fruitful for me to this day. And, uh, you know, you always hear that old story of, well, your stand partner could be hiring you someday, so you should blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. But that's actually really yeah. quite true. Not like yeah. Donald Schleicher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard it from He was our conductor. Years. He was our conductor at U of I, so. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it in youth orchestra. I heard it in college. I've heard it everywhere. And um, it really is true. It may not be necessarily your stand partner is looking to hire you or not. Um, but it could be, but you, you just never know what kind of connection um, could lead to, to something or other. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I was just reminded of that. Uh, last week I have, I have, let's just say I have an audition coming up and on the panel is someone who I've uh, been acquainted to for years now and I made a good impression on when I was in high school and that's serving me well now. Does that mean I'm ahead in the game? No, but you could see a situation where I perhaps- Oh, but maybe. Well, you could see a situation where perhaps, you know, I'm at a competitive level with one other person. You'll talk here. Yeah, you you'll know, get it. If you're even things, with someone else, yeah. Yeah, these things these things can't hurt you is, is all I'm saying. And, um, you know, Practically, we should also think about this aspect of it too. And, um, you know. It's a competitive world. Dog eat dog world, they say. I mean, it's right. it's tough out there. Yeah. Uh, and no sympathy for the losers, you know. If you get a job, you get, you, you get a job, you get a job. I mean, you earned it. Uh, that's how you have to feel. There's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can be, you know, whatever, Mr. Nice Guy or whatever. That's fine in the audition room. Yeah, you, I met some good friends at auditions, actually. You know, that's fine. But when push comes to shove, like, you're there to win. 
uh, and and these these kind of things can these <laughs> these, these kind of things can uh, help. They really can. I um, I was recently taking an audition for a principal cello of a of an orchestra, de decent paying orchestra, and and I've never taken a principal audition, and I never really anticipated on taking a principal audition. I, um, I don't think I'm quite ready to be exploring that side yet, but, um, and, and, and then the, you are. <laughs> well, in, in the room after the audition, I, I never told you this. Um, there was only 12 people that auditioned that day. A bunch of people had canceled yada yada. And so in the audition, like in the room, the green, green warm up green room after the first round, you know, where people are waiting to hear who advanced, um, it had taken quite a while and, and I kind of sat next to somebody who came in and like refused to say hello to me and was just very cold, but clearly just did not want to converse. And, um, and I felt very bad and I thought, well, you know, this guy seems like, like he's serious, like he, he, he has no time for me, he's just there to win. And me, you know, like we're not going to find out for another 40 minutes, like might as well make a friend. And, and I did end up doing that. And, um, and, and it was a wonderful connection that I made to somebody, but then this person didn't advance to the next round. And I had happened to, I didn't advance to the next, next round, but you know, it, it really doesn't hurt to, to be friendly. And I think that comes out in the music. If you're, if you're an open, friendly person that wants to connect with people, that's gonna that's gonna come out in your sound and you know this happened to be a blind audition so you can see the big smile on my face in the audition um but you know these things are really as we've mentioned you know it's all related your your, your mental emotional well-being it really matters in the way that you play and um i really think that helped me in this audition um being just you know, if you don't advance, it's fine. I'm happy to be there. I'm happy to make connections. I'm happy to be able to do this. Um, you know, th that's just my little little story. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, I'm definitely on the introverted side. Like mentioned, I have social anxiety and all this. It it can be intimidating if you do feel pressure to well meet everybody so you don't you don't ever have to feel that way like you could be in an orchestra in a year and still not have maybe talked to three or four of the people that's not the end of the world uh so but i i think just actively seeking out one or two and you'll you know right away whether or not you're going to hit it off with someone like your story suggested like sometimes you know even without talking that okay that's not gonna work or something but there's always someone like you there's always someone that's like you around like mm -hmm. there's only so many like person you know personality types and only so many like you're gonna hit on something with somebody you know so i that's how I kind of that's how just as someone that struggled with that how I get in the game it's like well I, I just need to meet one person, you know. Have one good conversation and like you have to start somewhere. But one thing that I really like about. Uh, so his name is Henrik Charing. He's one of the greatest violinists of the 20th century. Uh, a legend still has the best Bach recordings, according to many, maybe even myself included. Amazing. Uh, has some great recordings. Had an, one of the greatest careers ever. And anyway, just this one thing that just stuck out, I was reading about him and one thing that just stuck out, he had this huge book this before phones and computers. He had this huge book. And in that book, he had like every place he had ever been, 
And what else did he have? He had the names of everybody he met in all those places. The name of every, you know, all the conductors, all the stage managers, all the, he had it all. And, and he credited that for his long and healthy career. Wow. Because he would go, he would go back to the same places. He would know their names. They would know him. Like there was this connection that just built and that, and, and upon that, he like built his career kind of on this philosophy where obviously he was a killer player and that's helps, <laughs> but, but this, this other stuff, you know, it's, it's very important, you know, people like to be known. They like to feel known and cared about. It's just a very simple thing, knowing someone's name. But, uh, you know, before Facebook, you couldn't look anyone up. No, no website online where you could see who the people are in the orchestra. No, he kept track the old fashioned way. And, uh, it's very meaningful. I think like a meaningful gesture. Yeah. So thousands and thousands and thousands of names and, you know, uh, but anyway, well, I think we've probably gone long enough. Uh, so, I mean, do you have any parting comment or we can just cut it out? Yeah, I think I'm good. Any ideas on like, yeah, just any of our, any of you that have ideas on what you want to hear us talk about, you can like comment, you know, what else do you do? Like comment, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. DM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. D like, what are we, what, what is it? Yeah. You can't really, you can't DM on like any of the, we're not on those platforms, right? We're on like YouTube and Spotify and like the Apple podcast. Mm-hmm. So com yeah, comment. You can comment though. So anyway. Yeah. Uh yeah, that would that that's great. I'm thinking we might uh get into some more like nitty gritty like I kind of want to like maybe listen to a, some clips of like music performances or do stuff like that. I'm very interested in, I mean, I'm a music critic, so we'll see where this goes, but this was a great episode. Thanks for uh, spending this time with us as we figured out the deep issues behind what music means and using music as a tool to connect to human beings, other people in very meaningful and lifelong ways. So we'll see you next time and we'll go ahead and sign off now. Ciao, ciao. Take care.